Because Satan's primary weapon is a lie, your defense against him is a truth. Dealing with Satan is not a power encounter, it's a truth encounter. And when you expose Satan's lie with God's truth, his power is broken. That is why Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Hey friends, you're listening to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations facing life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive into today's show. Welcome back to the Victor Marks Podcast as we kick off the new year with an encouraging message from Victor coming out of Joshua chapter 1 verse 9. In today's episode, we are commissioned with God's command to be strong and courageous as he walks faithfully with us wherever we go. Victor challenges us to walk in the authority we have in Christ, no matter how powerful the enemy may seem, as courage is not the absence of fear, but God's grace coming upon us, giving us the strength to press forward and not be shaken. Today, Victor shares five important ways to win the battle over your mind. So here's Victor Marks with today's message, The Lord is With You. Last year, there were over 2 million juvenile arrests. So I travel as much as I can. I've been to 15 states. But we wrote my book with the expressed intent and purpose to be able to give it to kids who are incarcerated. Because you get a lot of these gang members and kids rebelling and just, ah, I hate life. And they're not going to read a Bible. Y'all hear me? There's Bibles. They're like, whatever. They don't get it. Their spirit's dead. But they pick up a book about a story, and they start relating to it. And probably the best compliment I get outside of, obviously, the greatest of salvation, is that kids tell me, I've never read a book before. And I read your book three times. And through that book, we've been able to give away over 25,000 copies, which is, that's unbelievable. I mean, but people have supported the work, and we're awful grateful. I got... I mean, I get letters right here. I get letters about every week from kids who've been reading. One kid, because every book that's handed out, we have what's called a Connect card. This is a Xerox copy of it. But it goes into every book. And uh, basically, they respond and tell us, did they get saved? Did they, you know, how can we pray for them? They give us information about them. Uh, and this, this lad here says, uh, I'm not a Christian yet, uh, but I'd like more information. Yeah, I have not surrendered my life to Jesus, but want more information. How often do you hear that from troubled youth? It says, please, P-L-E-Z, please help, H-E-L-L-P, me with my problems. And will you pray for me and my family, mainly my mom? This kid, hello, Mr. Marks. My name is Michael. I'm currently locked up on the count of two felonies. I have two arson charges. Um, and I'm charged for a battery and assault. I'm 16 years old. He just goes on to talk about it. He said, I need your advice, uh, though I need help seeking out my heart to God. Would you please uh, give me some feedback on that? Sincerely, Michael. Giving my, seeking my heart out to God. Ain't that great? Uh, I love it. And... 
this one, uh, I'm writing this letter to tell you that you inspired me to change my life and surrender myself to the Lord. I was really feeling your book. And you talk about your life experiences, and that was tough, too, because I have trouble explaining my feelings. But it's, it's like I read in your book uh, that nothing will go, uh, nothing should be wrong as long as the Lord's on my side. And I don't care what other people think as long as I got God and, and he's happy. So some of them are tragic, but it is what it is, right? The only thing I tell kids, too, you cannot mess around with dark things. You can't play into the darkness of the world and not get bit. I guarantee you. And although those are extreme cases, they're real cases. This is real. Our text, Joshua 1, 9. It's in the Bible, the front part of the Bible, like this. If you have a Bible, well, I'll do it like that. This is your front part. That's the back. It's like right around there. When I was a new Christian, I always struggled finding those places, especially Old Testament. And they'd say, turn to, you know, I'd be like, and you know, my pride would be like, uh, I'd be fanning through there like, oh, uh. and then I realized everybody else's pages are slowing down. So I'm like, I just pulled a Bible up by me. I didn't even know where I was. People looking at me, don't you cheat. I'd be in the Psalms or something, one of the big ones. But Joshua 1, 9. God Almighty is speaking to Joshua. Now this is God speaking. Let's just pretend he's real. All right? For some of you, his faith is pretty small or none at all. God Almighty is giving a word to his warrior, Joshua. And he says this to Joshua. Have a night commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord, your God, that's me, is with you wherever you go. Have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Don't be afraid. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is, I think, the third time in this chapter, roughly, he has told Joshua, be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good. It's a command. He's commanding Joshua. See, God knows that our human, in our humanity, we're not that strong or very courageous. Some of us are strong-headed, but in spiritual things and in faith, we tend to be very weak. And the Lord, he commands us to be strong and courageous. And he says, it's, it's me, the Lord your God, God Almighty, who created the universe who gives each person the very breath they breathe, who keeps the world, earth, the correct distance from the sun. Because if we were just a little bit closer, California would feel like Texas. If we were even closer, Antarctica would feel like Texas. If there wasn't the right amount of gravity, we'd be floating a little bit. 
right? And you can even experience that without going into outer space, a gravitational disparity from what we know if you just go in water. It changes the structure of the gravitational pull. And those of you who've ever scuba dived, you know when you're going down, what do we have to wear? A weight belt. We have to put weights on or something to keep us because the buoyancy would tends to keep us shooting to the top. God Almighty, Lord God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, whether you believe it or not, it's true. And if you get mad at me, because you don't believe it, well, I understand. You know what? I'll be in the back. You can come and apologize to me for losing your temper <laughs> after we're done. But it doesn't change the truth, my friend. It doesn't change the truth. But he says, here's why you don't have to be afraid. is because I am with you wherever you go. I am with you even when the S&P gives the United States its first less than AAA rating ever in the history of America. Does that make sense? God is with us. Let me, let me illustrate this. I'm a martial artist now, but I always wasn't. When I was a kid, I wanted to be, but I wasn't any good. Does that? Yeah. Uh, how many of you remember seeing Bruce Lee, Enter the Dragon? That's got to be one of the first movies that I went, oh, yeah. And uh, so much so that I thought, man, if I could just be like him, Right? And I followed that dream. Actually, when I was in the Marine Corps, I would drive up to Torrance, California. And although Bruce Lee was dead because I was a little younger, I studied from Danny Nassanto, one of his top students, and Richard Bastille, uh, as my friend here knows. And I got to train some good training. Actually, they just beat on me for a while and said it was good training. <laughs> but when I was a kid, I would pick fights like I was Bruce Lee. The problem, I couldn't back it up. So... Seventh, sixth grade, sixth grade, one of those in Clinton, Mississippi. And I picked a fight with, I think it was three high schoolers. And uh, because our house yard, the gate walked into the high school yard, the high school. And I was out there cutting up. And anyway, I guess I ticked a few guys off and, man, I was heading back. And I knew the route, so when I jumped over a little fence, run to the sliding glass door and went, Ugh, and it was locked. And they jumped the fence. All of a sudden, I could hear them stop behind me. I was like, this didn't work. And I turned around, they're like, you punk, you blah, blah, talking all this trash. And I was like, I thought, here it comes. I'm going to get whooped on judiciously. And then... Their countenance chains. These tough-looking guys were about to smack me. They're like, and they, their posture starts to change, and they're kind of stepping back. And I'm, and keep talking, Vic. Just keep talking. You got them. I ain't afraid of y'all. <laughs> you know, eighty pounds. Now, you know, 40 of it was hair back then. <laughs> and I'm just talking smack. And, and then I realized they look afraid. I'm thinking, 
they're sensing the power is strong in this one. And then I realized what the deal was. My brother, in the middle of all my smacking, had unlocked the door, slid the door open, and walked out. He's a big boy. He's a senior in high school. And uh, he was known for being a fighter. Unlike me, he could back it up. And I went, and he said, boy, is there a problem here? And they said, uh, uh-uh. No, no, man, it's all good. He said, well, y'all in our yard, and you threatening my brother. So, <laughs> and he had these one-liners that were unbelievable. Like, there ain't nothing between us but air, probably fear on your part. So what y'all want to do? I'd be like, yeah, what you want to do? Huh? And my brother grabbed me by my face and pushed me aside. He said, shut up. And he just said, ain't no, y'all want to do something? Come on. Because I've been here plenty of times. Ain't nothing but a thing. And they're like, no, it's all good. It's all good, man. And he said, don't ever come in my yard again. I'll come and find y'all. They took off and started running. I was like, and then my brother whooped on me. <laughs> Amen? He said, you dumb. I'm going to give you a percentage of what they would have. So, uh, <laughs> and he's still like that today. My brother, it'll take 10 of me to equal one of him. You know, and I always thought when I get older, I'm finally going to be able to whoop my brother. Man, I'm a master martial arts, but he trains too. And I kept waiting, and uh, I just saw him, and he's uh, 235 pounds uh, to my 195, and he's 13% body fat. Dang it. Takes me off. That has nothing to do with the study, but. Yeah. Knowing my brother was with me. And when people knew my last name, and when I walked around, I had a get-out-of-jail-free card from bullies. Do you understand? And that's a good place to be spiritually. When the devil comes messing with you, you got to go back to the Scripture. Because let me tell you something about the enemy. He'll lie to you. And although he has more power, because, I mean, we can't fly around and, you know, we don't control hordes of demons. Although he has more power than us, he doesn't have more authority than us. And that's, I don't care how much power you got. When the authority comes in, boom. It's kind of like the, like say the NBA. Is that the basketball league? So the NBA, you know, you got these huge guys. And then you have these little reps. You know, isn't, that, isn't that interesting? But who really has the authority? The guys who can dunk? Or the guy with the little stripe thing and the whistle? This I don't care when he says, you're out, he's done. Does that make sense? I want authority over power. But, uh, and I'm talking about the power of the flesh, because that don't really get nothing. But a lot of people, they struggle. They never get to a place in their spiritual life of victory and walking with courage. And Look, courage isn't the absence of fear in the sense of challenge. It's still there. But God's grace comes on you, and then you believe the scripture. 
And, and God's not looking for some super-duper, you know, radical things happening every... He just wants us to live a life that's pretty consistent. That the world says, wow, something different. They're not tripping. They do pretty good. Or, or when bad stuff comes against them, and they, they still just press forward. They still love God. Because everybody blames God now. They took a survey, a national survey. How is God doing on his job? The futility of man. Let's build a tower next. Because Satan's primary weapon is a lie, your defense against him is a truth. Dealing with Satan is not a power encounter, it's a truth encounter. And when you expose Satan's lie with God's truth, his power is broken. That is why Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Here's five things I want to tell you about winning the battle for your mind. And I do appreciate Neil Anderson for saying this. He said, first... Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, Romans 12, 2. How do you renew your mind? By filling it with God's word. To win the battle for your mind, you must let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and let the word of Christ dwell within you richly. And as you continue to stockpile your mind with God's truth, you will equip yourself to recognize the lie and take it captive. I don't know about y'all, but whenever you're tempted or going through hard times, uh, did your mind ever just stop working? Like you try to think of scripture and you can't? I mean, like you're in the middle of something and ain't nothing coming, right? The, look at this. This is what I call my ammo belt. For those of you who can't see, it is scripture cards that have been laminated and put on a key ring. All right? I carried these with me. My, my kids made this for me with one of their aunties. And uh, <laughs> isn't that great? I carry it with me. I read them in bed. I read them at night. I, if I start going through trippy stuff, I'll just, man, I'll start reading the Word of God or quoting it out loud. It helps me. It helps me. That's one of the ways to win the battle in our mind. Second, Peter directs us to prepare our minds for actions in 1 Peter 1.13. You've got to do away with fruitless fantasies. To imagine yourself doing something without ever doing it is dangerous. You'll lose touch with reality. Young people, y'all play them games. You're connected to people all over the world. You're killing people. And all that. You start getting desensitized to life and humanity. And that's a sad thing. You live in that. You know what it does? Two things for you. It makes you think you're tougher than you are, but you ain't. Because you can shoot somebody with a little paddle. And you go out and you're acting all bad, posturing. That's some guy to knock you in your head. You're like, oh, that hurt. And the other thing, you don't want to do anything that desensitizes you to taking someone's life. Then you start pulling out guns and shooting, and it's, it's, it's very impersonal. I deal with those kids in prison. When you see stuff that's going on on the news, that's kids that will read my book or I'll be speaking to. I've got a friend that just did a couple of, several tours in Iraq and Iran. And we talked about the difference between engaging in a firefight when you're ambushed and rounds are flying because it's like a bully picking on you and you're like, all right, it's on. Versus sniping someone who doesn't know you're about to shoot them. There's such a vast difference of 
it's just a morality check, but knowing if I don't shoot this guy, he's going to set up an EID or kill a friendly or whatever. That's real combat. That's the reality of taking someone's life. Not the video games that you fantasize about it with no attachment or moral reasoning. Third, we've got to take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Practice threshold first frame thinking. Evaluate every thought by the truth and don't even consider the tempting, accusing, or lying thoughts. Uh, women, let me just tell you right now. Y'all tend to be real susceptible to these lying thoughts of the enemy. Not temptation like men go through, but just whispering thoughts. Oh, you know what he said? You know what she said? They don't like you. Oh, they, you're this, you're that. You're... You get bombarded with it. You got to stop yourself and go, wait a minute. Is that coming from the Lord? There ain't no way. That's not the Lord. And you take that thought captive. Or it will drive you to do crazy stuff. It'll make your insecurities be out of control. It'll cause you to transfer anger on your man when he comes home. It's like, ah! what I do? Got none that she's just been being beat on all day. Those of you who worry about a spouse cheating, it's like, oh, I know you're, just, hmm, you're checking their emails and faxes and, well, texting. I mean, because you get these thoughts and cut it out. But let me, I counsel people who they're just living in torment. You know, the enemy will run you, run you, run you. Take those thought captives. Okay? And if you do find out they're cheating, whack them. No. Just... <laughs> I'll make it look like an accident. <laughs> we have no cheating in our home. It's been part of our marriage vows. Isn't that pretty good? Marriage vows don't cheat. It's that simple. And I told my wife, if you ever leave me, I'm following you. Okay. Fourth, turn to God when you have anxious thoughts. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. Okay? And then the peace of God shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And the final thing, you assume responsibility to choose truth and commit yourself to live accordingly. You choose responsibility. You are responsible. Don't ever be a victim of your circumstance because guess what? God is sovereign. God's sovereign. Regardless of your background or where you are, what you'll face, don't feel sorry for yourself. Don't lay down. The one thing in fighting, a real fighter, when they get hit, they don't lay down unless they're knocked out. Typically, someone get hit, what does that do for a real fighter? Make them want to hit back. It's like, bing, oh, it's on now. Spiritually, it's the same thing. You get hit, that's when you get tough. You gird up and go, really? Here we go. But you have to be responsible for your own self. Don't blame other people. Kids, don't blame your parents. And I tell you what, the teens listen to the lies more than anybody. My dad don't love me. My mom don't love me. This way, you're trying to keep me from fun. You got to, what? Take those thoughts captives. Rebuke them thing in the name of Jesus Parents, rebuke your kids. A little spiritual terrorist, get in your room. (laughs) 
No, you gotta, and I tell kids, trust your parents. You ain't always gotta agree with them, but trust them. They've been through the landmine field. Amen, parents? Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.